0: And hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dormish. I am your host for this episode 575 of IGN's weekly PlayStation Show. I am joined by Lucy O'Brien. Hello. And Brian Altano. Beyond. Hopefully, you'll learn a little bit about PlayStation this week, much as we learned some stuff before the show I can't repeat on air. That's true. But. You are going to learn about our feelings about Resident Evil 2. Uh, it comes out January 25th, if you're listening to the show. It's a couple days before that comes out. Uh, we have played it here. Lucy and myself have played. Brian, you haven't played it just yet.
1: No, correct, which is killing me.
0: I could imagine. You are yeah. a huge fan of the series in general and of Resident Evil 2 itself.
1: Yeah, huge, huge fan. Um, I'm really, really excited for this one. And I avoided the demo, and I've avoided people in the office playing it, and I've avoided conversations about it until right now, which we will film and upload for others to enjoy.
0: That's what we do at IGN. Ruin things for you, <laughs> for a game you haven't played yet. Uh, no, fair. we are going to stay spoiler-free in this. Obviously, since the game hasn't even come out yet, we don't want to go into story specifics for people who have not played the game even in its original form, like myself included. But I did oh, want you never played the original? I never played the original. Oh, wow. Uh, Resident Evil 4 was the first one I played. Uh, okay. But yeah, so I, I played remake later.
2: So you got used to a very certain type of control scheme. Yes. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Um, so this was the first foray backwards in the franchise for me since i played the remake when it came to ps4 i never played it when it was made for GameCube or any of that right um but lucy i know you, it it's
1: a- you showed up to a party when it got like really really it was a good party and it you showed up party. and it was like really bumping
0: yeah but yeah. then it went downhill
2: but then yes. it went a bit like yeah. people got bummed out and then
1: somebody overdosed yeah
0: that yeah. guy we don't talk to showed up yeah it just was a rough
1: one punched a boulder yeah wesker
0: <laughs> the cops arrived those cops. Anyway, uh, Lucy, as a huge fan both of the original game, and you talked a little bit about in the last couple of weeks about, one, giving yourself room to be like, this might just be good yeah. as a remake and having high hopes for it. How has it been for you so far, and whereabouts
2: are Okay, you? I, I'm sitting in an interesting spot. I'm loving it mm-hmm. desperately, which is great. Yes. Um, but I'm also realizing that I'm just not as good at video games as I, as I was back then. Mm-hmm. So, like it's not that I am dying a lot or anything like that. It's more that I keep getting stuck on the puzzles and I'm just like, I used to be so much better at problem solving before (laughs) I guess like alcohol and socializing (coughs) ruined my life. Um, Fair enough. But it's, it's a, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing remake. I think what makes it so good and you know, you're going to hear this a lot across the board is that it's a remix. It's not a remake. So it feels very much like the original game, um, and it's almost like you feel like you're playing the original game, but your memory of it, which is always going to be so much more golden than the actual, you know, product, if you were to play it today.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um.
2: So it just it feels exactly like how I remembered Resident Evil Two. Um, yeah. Which I, is high praise. I think
1: that's like we've we've kind of like shared similar sentiments about remakes and remasters. Like I most recently, Shadow of the Colossus mm-hmm. was one of those ones where it's like, this is how my brain thinks it looked, you yeah. know? Or like when you're playing Breath of the Wild, you're like, this is how the original Zelda looks, something like that, or any of the, you know, the Metal Gear HD collections or anything. Um, that's really cool to hear. In terms of the puzzles, I don't think you're dumber. I think you're smarter and you need to be dumber to do the puzzles in Resident Evil games because the re- puzzles in Resident Evil games are not necessarily the smartest thing. They're they're quirky and they're interesting, but they're generally like really goofy and you have to kind of break your brain a little bit. Like when I was young, I was like, "Oh, of course you would open a door in a police station with an animal's eyeball."
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing that this particular game does really well for a modern audience is is it actually shows you on the map <clears throat> the areas that you've explored mm-hmm. oh, and the cool. like the areas that you've absolutely cleaned up and then it really shows you the that. areas yeah. that yeah that you've still got like left you know there's something in that room left to to discover which is incredibly helpful because it's so labyrinthian the the whole map is just so windy and twisty and it it just it it weaves into one another beautifully but it is really easy to get confused like where have i been where yes. am i going yeah. how do how do i get back to that room To to put the crank that I found in the sewer (laughs) or in the parking lot back into the, you know, this one random spot in the police station that I remember stumbling across three hours ago. Yeah. You know, so it's it's always always
1: with that damn crank. Oh, yeah. Every one of these games has like a.
0: Is it that easy to break a crank?
1: I don't know what that's you're asking a, me.
0: That's a really <laughs> existential question. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what we try to aim for. Here. <clears throat> borderline, um, borderline offensive. Eh. Yeah, that's also what we try to aim for here. Uh, no, yeah, I had that. Sam- the, it's weird how something as like modernized as just a well thought out map can mm-hmm. make such a difference because going into it with just a light. Resident Evil knowledge I was really expecting to have to fight the game a little bit in terms of like working against its puzzles and all that but yeah knowing when in your inventory for example when it tells you oh yeah you're done with this item like there's a check mark, you don't have to keep it in there here's where there's still a thing in a room maybe you might need but it doesn't tell you exactly what you need I thought like those quality of life conveniences were really nice to have yeah Mm -hmm. it's
2: it's been like thoroughly modernized but like one of my concerns was that going in was that it, it it had the potential to be so modernised that it, it was stripped of all its scares, because you know a lot of made, uh, a lot of what made the original so frightening was that, um, and we actually put up a, a piece from a freelancer about this over the weekend, is that it it's, it sort of strips you of everything. Uh, that's the survival horror mantra: is less is more, right? But also, you know, something t- the, the fixed camera angles had a lot to do with that as well. Like you couldn't see around the corner, yep. Um, and so, whenever you turned a corner, you never knew what was going to appear. And that, you know, that was working within the constrict- technic- like the technical restrictions of the time. But it also worked so wonderfully from a like a tension perspective. And of course, this remake doesn't have that. It's 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 more like it's over the shoulder. It's it's you know the Resident Evil Four style. Resident Evil Seven uh, engine, and but it's still absolutely terrifying. And like there were there were uh, it, you know so much so much of that comes down to the fact that I never have enough bullets. I never have enough bullets. Like I'm always running. I'm always weaving. I'm always like sprinting and swearing and, you know, I have to, I actually, like, and it is because I'm older, I have to play with the sound down quite low now because I'm just (laughs) like, no, the sound is too much. I'm not strapping on headphones. I need to play it, like... Oh, my God, that sounds awesome. It it is, it's it's pure survival horror. It is horror at its most, um, you know, you are always vulnerable. You never feel like you're on top of the situation.
0: Yeah, there was a moment that I had inside the police station early on where I was... Uh, there's like a locker area and I went in there and I thought I had cleared out all the zombies in the room ahead of me and then I went to turn back to the door and I heard some growling and I was like oh no oh no and then just a zombie walks by like the grated window in the door and I just see his face kind of look in and it's really it's silly in a way but it also was like oh no oh no he could kill me he could kill me I can't go out there I, I have to like plan the exact moment and then I just went out and I was Partial to using the knife early on, and I would just knife him like a thousand times like <laughs> while
2: screaming had, and
0: crying. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, every time something would happen, I would jump, and my girlfriend who was sitting next to me watching was just like, "Are you? What's going on with you? Are you okay?" There. Uh, it was. We're, and one moment that was particularly affecting for me, uh, and forgive me, I don't remember the name of that specific zombie or anything, but the one that's crawling on the ceiling. The Licker, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. When that first popped up, I absolutely jumped out of my seat and dropped my controller.
1: That's the thing about this franchise, and I think it like it it's it was such a known quantity for a long time. Uh, one, two, three, Code Veronica, all felt sort of like they had similar DNA. But those that franchise is effectively about surprise. And it was like the first time you... You always had those door animations, right? It's your safety buffer. You were like, I'm safe. And then for the first time, a zombie walked through one of those. And it broke your world. Because you're like, this was our moment to <laughs> yeah, be okay. Yeah, you broke the rules. Yeah, you yeah. broke the rules of what yeah. this is. Mm-hmm. Um, or the first time it's a do- the, jo- the dogs jumped through the windows. Or anything that sort of felt like... There, I'm in this house and there's the environment out there but I don't interact with it and then it would bust open and like old school Resident Evil fans uh, and this is how the the second one originally controlled um, will tell you and I agree to an extent that the tank controls aided in the terror because
2: <laughs> you were fighting against yes. them to a certain degree and because like the yeah. way
1: something could die like you knew that nothing else in the game was using tank controls like when the AI would break through a wall or a window or a door Nemesis would come after you you'd be like this guy has full control of his movement and then you would be like, oh, I have to hold up and down and be at the same time and spin around and roll over here, and like I have three different directions to aim. I don't know where I'm going. Um, and so when they move that stuff away from the franchise, I think there was a lot of fear that you would lose the horror element. And I remember when Resident Evil 4 came out, the first time I was playing that, like the the demo where you're running around the town and you had full movement, you still had to stop and shoot, uh, but I remember like not being able to swing around fast enough and getting chainsawed in half and just screaming. And with Resident Evil Seven, I think they found brand new ways to sort of reinvent that as well. And uh, you know, just hiding behind things or when you're playing it in VR. And so I'm I'm really like proud of this franchise in not only its way to constantly reinvent itself, but also to sort of, like, that 7 was effectively a reboot of the entire series, and in some ways a remake of the first one because it's sort of this singularly contained environment. Um, And now remaking 2 with some elements of 7 and some elements of Resident Evil Remake, you know, the original, like, GameCube and PlayStation 1, and then also a lot of stuff from Resident Evil 4, it just really makes me wonder, like, uh, did did they finally find that perfect... Formula of like pleasing people who want action, pleasing people who want terror, um, and making something that's still fun and puzzly and survival horror y.
2: Well, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's tro- like I trod an incredible tightrope. Yeah. Because it does do all those things, but it also really satisfies those of us who know the original game really well. Mm-hmm. Um, insofar as there were moments that I knew were coming. There were enemies that I enemy types that I knew were coming. there were encounters that I knew were coming, but uh they subvert it just a little bit, you know, so it's like again, it's that idea of a remix, so it's it's it is that boss encounter that you remember, but it's just a little different it's just mm-hmm. a little bit like it's it's playful, yeah, they've just done an incredible job at playing with what originally existed mm-hmm. and and making it just a little different, so it feels more modern and also it's you know like a lot of it is is, is a kind of like loving nod to the original which
1: i love because i think that's like it's it's sacred cow in a lot of ways right and i know like we've talked about this on the show before i'm obviously like a huge star wars fan um like the special editions left the sour taste in my mouth because it's somebody revisiting something that was you know pretty much perfect adding a lot of cool stuff cleaning up a lot but then adding a bunch of unnecessary fluff um like the you know the entire Jabba's Palace singing number, oh. don't like it. Uh, but the, like you look at something like Psycho, right, with the one with Vince Vaughn, which is a shot-for-shot remake of the original, loses all of its DNA and it basically falls apart. And then Shadow of the Colossus, which was like way more beautiful, but then like something gets lost when it got too pretty. Like if you look at the main character's face, like it's almost too detailed. <laughs> so I think it's really interesting to find that balance where you go, like we're making fans of the original happy. We're building something new that's not only like a tribute and a nod, but uh, like this, you know, I don't want to say love letter, but something that, that painstakingly... It
2: is like, uh, you know, it is a cliche to say love letter, but yeah. it, it is, is that, that's what it feels like. It feels like, uh, it feels like a, fan, a, a, a bunch of really talented fans made this game.
1: Right, and that's so cool um, from Capcom specifically, because that's like, you know, they've had their missteps. You know yeah. that it's the reason like a game like Mighty Number no. Nine came out was because they effectively mishandled the Mega Man franchise for so long, and,
0: and then Mighty Number no. Nine stole that spotlight.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then they put out Mega Man Eleven, which I wasn't the biggest fan of, but I was a, definitely a step in the right direction. So, but it it,
2: it also feels like a massive course correction, that, as you were saying earlier. Like I I look back at five and six in particular, and I it, they were such. Ugh. They were such just like where is this series going? It has no idea what it wants yeah. to be, you know. Also, uh, Six presenting like a whole bunch of different like it was just like okay, we're just gonna throw
0: things it was at the totally disjointed and see yeah. what sticks. It feels like it was trying to play almost toward the same audience as the movies were mm-hmm. like a, a lowest common denominator rather than what people fell in love with it originally for. Um, And speaking to what both of you have been saying about it, uh, Johnny Mohammed from the Facebook group for beyond, which is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond asked, where does Capcom go with resident evil from here? More remakes or resident evil eight. And I want to ask both of you as big fans of this entire franchise, because to me, obviously not knowing three, well, it, doesn't seem like it would matter too much significantly because they're clearly trying to evolve the entire series as a whole like between right. between Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 7 they've really been trying to push it and both like absolve some of the issues of the past but also retain what so many fans truly love about it.
1: Yeah, I mean the, the obvious answer is the next step is 3, right? Uh just numerically, but I don't feel that way. I would actually rather see Resident Evil 1 remade in this style or at least bringing like characters back into a mansion setting would be really cool because resident evil 7 was close to that but it was also this like you know rickety swamp house um (laughs) but my my dream answer is four Mm -hmm. like four running in which is like
0: are you worried though about them touching that like as something that you love so much
1: no because i've replayed the original so many times um the thing that would worry me on a personal level is that and we've shouted them out on the show before there's like a there's, I think it's like a one or two person team have been working on a Resident Evil 4 HD remake for like the last five years. And you can go check it out. It's I think it's just called Resident Evil 4 HD. And they are recreating every texture in that game. But I think what Capcom would do would be different because it sounds like what they do with Resident Evil 2 is sort of remix it a bit and change the pacing around and you know add some quality of life stuff. I don't think it's as simple as just like taking the old game and porting it to a new system. So my split answer is I would love to see one or 4 but i'd be okay with 3
2: i mean i agree with all of that but <clears throat> i also really want to see resident evil 8 because i feel like resident evil 7 almost like almost achieved greatness but fell short yeah uh and i mean it that was primarily because of that like really disjointed sort of second half that just felt really uh, I don't know, kind of generic. Like we had that amazing sort of ha- the swamp house, yeah. uh, you know, being pursued by the the guy. It was mm-hmm. very terrifying, and then it kind of went off the rails a little. And I sort of feel like again with two, Capcom has has really discovered, it's you know rediscovered its roots, I suppose. And so I'd love to see an eight that was just tighter and sharper and like way more focused. Mm-hmm and 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 very much with its history in mind with its um with its you know the, its roots in mind and 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 basically just evolve seven a little further
0: mm-hmm.
2: and just you know keep keep making them in the series like it it shouldn't stop at 7 and then just go back to remakes <laughs> like we you know i want to see a resident evil 8 Now that I feel like Capcom knows what it's doing with that series, I
1: love that naming convention. By the way, where it goes like Resident Evil Seven, Resident Evil Two, Resident Evil Eight, Resident Evil Three,
0: Resident Evil Three. Is um, are there specific things about Resident Evil Two you think they can use in Resident Evil Eight if they continue along that first person mode from Resident Evil Seven? Like, is the sort of the tightness and some of the modernization things they did in Two? Do you think that can apply to Eight, or what would you like to see them learn from?
2: I mean, I suppose like, pacing is, is, a, is a big thing, tone is a big thing. I think, again, just like, go, like, going back to that idea of stripping you of any kind of uh, feeling of power. But like, I think Resident Evil 2 does a, a really good job, well, the Resident Evil series does a good job as opposed to some other survival horrors um, in giving you just a little a semblance of power. So you you know like and again this is something that a, this this piece that we put up um over the weekend how how Resident Evil two achieves horror through reduction please read it, um, you know it's it's that idea that you ju- you have a little bit so just enough to keep scrabbling through right do you know what I mean like if you were, if you had nothing like I, I you know I, I felt this way a lot during um, oh god Outlast like again great games. Um, Alien Isolation is another example. Uh, games where basically the whole idea is to escape, and you are completely powerless. And and the, you know, I love those games, but there comes with that a kind of sense of, eh, you know, like who cares, like whatever. Whereas when you when you have that little bit of um, remaining ammo, or that one green plant, or that one kind of escape route. You know that's what makes it so tense. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's just going back to its survival horror roots. Just re- like remembering that that pacing is incredibly important when it comes to these things. Not throwing all the enemies at us at once, mm-hmm. um, spreading things out. And again, yeah, just keeping things really tight. Like the more linear these games are, the better. But again, like it, the level design in Resident Evil Two is so wonder- wonderful because you do get confused. It is linear, but you do get confused because. It is so labyrinthian. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of times I've got lost playing this game. <laughs> uh, like I don't know about you, but I, I, I I've got lost a lot.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, initially, especially when I was getting used to the layout and everything, because I didn't know this sort of map at all. Like I had no history with it, and so when I was in the police station, it didn't. It now, didn't. I have history with it, and, and it, it, did, didn't. it did not help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It was this fascinating thing of I would go. <laughs> up to maybe, you know, the third floor of the police station. And then I'd somehow find my way to the first floor on the other side. And then if you had to tell me how to retrace my steps, I'd be like, I have no idea how because I had to board up four windows and I lost 12 bullets. (laughs) and Now I only have two bullets and now I don't know what to do. Right. And so I'll just go to the main hub and hopefully find my way back to where I think there's a key I could possibly use. Yeah, there was a, a little bit of that, but like, There's also this satisfying once you do get the hang of a space yeah, and being able to be like, oh, okay, I have to go through there to be able to get to there. And that's how I get back to the library. Like something like that. There is that such a satisfying sense of understanding.
2: Can I briefly, this isn't a spoiler because everyone, it's been on all the previews, everyone knows. Can I briefly ask you how you felt uh, dealing with the tyrant that pursues you? Very
0: afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Is that, yeah. Like That is like it's a moment that I was very much like told about and knew about and had seen and stuff. But yeah, like the, there was just an overwhelming sense of, Oh no, I don't know if I can get, out I of love
1: this. that idea of that persistent threat that yeah. exists in the background of everything else you're dealing with and can always, you know, break through the fourth wall or even like literally break through the yeah. fourth wall.
2: But he pursues you. He doesn't pursue you through, I mean, into every space, but he pursues you into spaces that you think should be safe. Mm-hmm. Like he pursues you into the main hall. And that's like, that's really that frightening for me. It, like yeah. especially seeing him. It's kind of like the Slenderman games. <laughs> like just seeing him from a distance. Do you know what I mean? And yes. like and it's just oh like he's in here. Yes. yes. How did he get in here? He's, he's not, not meant supposed to be to. here. <laughs>
0: you guys yeah. are
1: veering into very specifically close spoiler territory.
0: All right. So be and then careful. you and All the right. tyrant sit down for a cup of coffee. What? You'll have to find out more about that when you actually yeah. play Brian. I, exciting, I,
1: what I wanted to ask you guys was like, um, do you think that this franchise has now uh, settled into a third person over the shoulder action survival horror again? Because this went from being top down fixed angles to uh You know, what Resident Evil 4 is, which is basically a third person, but you have to stop the shoot, to a first person slash VR game, to now uh, Capcom being like, wait, there was something good with that Resident Evil 4 style, but maybe we went too far with 5 and 6. I mean, this is also like a light gun game and a a straight up FPS. Um, Do you think we're settled into this perspective for a while?
2: Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Uh, I feel like it's the right way to play Resident Evil, Mm -hmm. like in 2019. Um, what I would love is to see indie devs uh, take that survival horror fixed angle stuff and play with it from a you know like a nostalgic sort of standpoint. Mm.
1: There was a there was a game I played recently it was on Switch and Steam that was a straight up like Resident Evil one um, nod like a, you know, a, a basically like almost like a fan game but it was a uh, it was very boiled down like you had a time loop to do everything and it wasn't very good. Um, I think that like those games had a time and a place, although I would love to if would look to see with, that come back.
2: If it was done with enough kind of... Like, if they subverted it a little bit, if they played with it a little bit, I think it could be... Like, there is something in in that, I think, yeah. in that fixed-angle horror style. Like, I still think that... But again, I believe that it, it, it is in the indie space that we're going to see that explored. I definitely can't fathom Capcom ever going back to the fixed-angle.
0: I don't think so either. I think it does, especially in an indie space where someone with a very clear authorial angle allows you to manipulate the space so much. Like I think someone really creative could do a lot with that space, but I do think we would see a lot of things that are just trying to be like, remember that moment in resident evil one, here it is again. Right. A, sma- a really smart, ingenious mind could take those spaces and make really creative use of them. For me, too, I think the third-person perspective is the way we'll be going. I really liked the first-person perspective in the sense of Resident Evil 7 because it was so slimmed down and the setting and who you were and everything, it, it played into that helpless feeling. But I do think there was a bit of a shock value to it of having that be that first instance of it uh, in a game like that for me in the Resident Evil series. So them returning to it would just feel like, oh, I know this already. Right, um, right. Whereas I don't feel like the third person perspective would have that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we'll be talking about Resident Evil 2 probably a lot throughout the year. And um, Brian, when you play, I'm very excited to hear what you actually
1: Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's definitely, I think it's definitely going to be a, like a game of the year contender. Just I haven't even touched it yet, but based on the critical reception I've seen, I think it's going to be something we'll be talking about all year.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure we'll be talking about it later into 2019, along mm-hmm. with some other games.
1: That's right. This year.
0: <laughs> Joining us now on the show is Andrew Goldfarb. If you're listening, uh, this voice will sound very different to you. It's not Lucy O'Brien anyway. Hello. Hey, oh. Andrew. G'day. Nope. That was close, but... Like I really do. Really well, I, I, I
3: especially can't do New Zealand. Hello, how are you? Beyond.
0: Beyond. Welcome to the show Been for the bit. first time in 2019.
3: It, it is my first time in 2019, yeah. yeah. How are so you guys?
0: Doing pretty well. Going to have a fun trophy test for you later. Oh, I'm nervous. Good luck. It'll be I don't be know fun. why I said it like that. Uh, before we get to that test, though, I <laughs> did want to talk about a few other things going on right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Specifically in the world of PS4 exclusives, first one to touch on Dreams. So right yes. now there's a Dreams closed creator beta going on it started i believe like very end of december so they could still say it counted in 2018 uh and then it opened to a few more people in january but this is a beta that is under nda uh they the people in it are not allowed to show what they're doing but a couple things have sneaked their way online because they're so cool uh a couple of things that i at least want to make mention of is someone basically recreated the hallway from pt in dreams and i know you guys have seen it it's astounding mm-hmm. yeah. how close it is um but one of the weird side effects of this and people have been making some other things, like Mario was included, Brian, you were saying you saw, and uh, a few other games have been. Apparently
3: Dead Space 1's floating around. Yeah, Dead Space
0: 1. The unfortunate thing about it is, this beta is under NDA, so some of these posts, which for, as of the time we're recording, are still up, but a few of the Media Molecule devs are saying, like, hey, this is under NDA, could you please not tweet this out, as cool as it is, and then you just see hundreds of people being like, but this is why I want to buy the game now. Right, yeah. It's this really interesting thing, obviously, like the Media Molecule devs team uh, the dev team's hands are tied because this is clearly something from a legal side or mm-hmm. maybe larger from a Sony side of things. But I don't know. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because to me, like having these things out there as early as possible is what's going to sell the game for a lot of
3: people. Yeah, that's the best word of mouth. Someone recreating PT in Dreams is the best possible word of mouth they could ever hope for for selling this thing. And yeah. and for I think the problem this game has had is people understanding what the hell it is right. and especially if they're going to sell it for $60 which we still don't even really have an answer to uh I think something like this that proves how valuable it is as sort of a level creator and a game creator uh helps th- get that concept across yep. and man it's a bummer I'm I'm sure meat molecule is bummed out about it I don't think they well, want to have to tell people to pull stuff down
1: they're the the devs tweeting about the NDA are doing it with like winky face emojis oh, yeah. it's like yeah. it's one of those things where it's like ah I don't want I don't want to have to tell you to do this, but, like, you, you sign the NDA, you know not to do this, and, you know, our hands are tied, but... And then everyone's like, this is making me buy the game. Yeah. But on the flip side, to play Devil's Advocate, this would make them buy the game in two weeks when the NDA comes
3: up, or uh, ends up, but... um but it's, it's, not, it's not like it's an embargo. It's just an, an NDA. Like, I don't think they can ever share the stuff they make during this, if, if I'm understanding uh, it correctly. Unless
0: I haven't seen really? it yet. So My guess is it would be, like, up to Media Molecule for them to say when they can
3: Because we don't know. Make. So, like, and for background, I guess we should say, Dreams as a thing, before it was even called Dreams, was shown in February 2013 at the PS4 reveal event. Like, Media Molecule's project has been out there for as long as the PS4 has. And I think in, like, 2015, I want to say, is when they named it, and that year they were like we'll have a beta next year and then the next year they delayed it to 2017 and then in 2017 they delayed it to 2018 and like this thing has been waiting for so long and the way that game will work is by people making stuff and and putting it on the cloud and then you can drag like a tree and use a tree for your level and upload levels to play kind of like a little big planet and so like maybe this stuff will just be in there day one and when we get the game we'll be able to play PT or maybe they'll wipe the servers like we just don't know yet and that's why like this game, I think, is really promising. And, and seeing it at PSX last year, like it ju- or two years ago now, I guess, uh, it seemed so like, more robust than I expected it to be. And there's so many cool things you can do by like, triggering sound effects and a lot of the things that are probably happening in that PT demo. And it's just so heartbreaking that, like, as it is now, if this game came out tomorrow... I don't think it would sell, and I think this is like what it needs for people to be excited about it.
1: You're, that is an excellent way of putting it, because I think this is, this is this is almost like the most we've seen from this game so far in terms of its uh, flexibility and what it's actually able to accomplish. And we've seen game maker software software for years now and it's you know ever since stuff like mario paint and rpg maker and like the fruits of those labors are fantastic and you get to see all these cool things like there's like you know weird lady gaga remixes made entirely (laughs) with the dogs barking (laughs) and mario paint but that's
0: all all i listen to yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: exactly that's um that's good driving music for accidents um (laughs) this this is like a different story because this is like this feels like a like a street level unreal engine that you can play directly through your ps4 and the crowdsourcing uh sort of artifacts and items and stuff like that like the fact that you can make a piano and i can take it and be like you made this i made this and i put it in my game um that's really cool but like they're telling us that but nothing says this is what you can do like 20 seconds of a gif on twitter seeing it in
0: practice is although i saw it hands-on at e3 last year and i've seen all the demos and watched like the psx stage shows and everything before but like Seeing these little snippets was like, oh, that's what people can do because these these people have had the game and the tools for three weeks. Yep, like, yeah. Imagine like at most. Can, imagine yeah. what they can do in three months. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's that the unpredictable level of, oh my God, things can be amazing. And you were saying like, he can make a piano. He could make that piano playable and you could make an album with that piano in this game. Like the unfathomable reaches of dreams are so crazy that putting in people's hands and then showing that off Mm -hmm. is I think what's going to... And
3: there's definitely, I think you nailed it, Jonathan. Like there's definitely like push and pull within sony because uh apparently shuhei friend of the show retweeted this pt thing and then unretweeted it <laughs> oh. so it's like i i definitely get the impression that like they have a reason obviously i i'm sure like the game it, it is a proper beta so i'm sure like they're still refining things like yeah it's obviously why it's taken so long
0: and they probably want to show stuff themselves in a form that can be somewhat manicured like they can take all these the pt demo and the dead space demo but they can put it together in an awesome sizzle reel yeah, That's what yeah. they probably want
3: and they're the obvious copyright things right like yeah. i also get why sony doesn't want to be like hey you can <laughs> ruin every copyright claim ever by yeah. stealing other people's mm-hmm. ip like but at the same time like media molecule from the beginning in their weekly streams has you know created a batman model and, and created all these fun things just to kind of show what's possible mm-hmm. and so i don't know like i just you know look i i they're Far smarter people than me, if they if they think there's a reason to hold this back, then surely there must be. But I just I think this game is such a tough sell and it's it's crazy to me that for as long as we've known about it, we're theoretically coming to the end of PS4's life within yeah. the next couple of years. Well, I just want well, them to get it out there.
0: I was gonna ask, do you think we'll see dreams on PS4 in a full release, or will they just push this to PS5? Like at this yeah. point, obviously I assume you could put it out on both if they start looking ahead, but is there even a reason to put it out in a full release on ps ha- for this late in the cycle or just having a larger open beta?
1: Well, the benefit then- this late in the cycle is tens of millions of units sure. out there and yeah. a huge market. But uh, on the flip side, Dreams sounds like a really cool launch game for a next generation console. Um, I think it's like it's interesting. The idea I think is interesting because it's the Internet is a very like f- fickle you know sort of mass every now and then like you can for every time there's like a really cool pt trailer there is potentially a pt trailer where the character is repeatedly falling through the geometry to its death and it can't be saved and somebody's like dream sucks it's broken uh, if you look at like the the Assassin's Creed game a couple years ago where it 's like a global studio of nine hundred people worked on this game, and everyone's like he 's got bugged eyed eyes don 't buy it like there 's the face yeah the yeah. face and one one bad screenshot can wreck your game. Yeah. One great gift can sell a million copies um, and companies work on these things for six years and they want to control that message. But at some point, it's not yours anymore, and that's the way all artwork works, or music, or movies, or anything. You put it out there, and people can interpret it, or remix it, or, or change it. Um, and so, I find that really interesting because there's no great time to lift the,
3: you know, lift the veil on this thing. But yeah, also, but, uh, they've lifted the veil. Like the frustrating thing is, like that. Is, I think you nailed it for every game except this game. Yeah. <laughs> Only because, like, this game. Has been out in the ether for so long, and like I don't mean this in a dick way. Like I, I, I am excited for this game, but like this PT thing is the most press coverage I've seen Dreams get in two years. It's yeah. it just like it is the first time I've seen people go, "Whoa, holy crap!" and yeah. and understand what this game is in years of, it's, of kind of yeah. like I, I've written about it multiple times. We've done interviews at Mina Molecule. Like we've we've tried to champion this game, but I don't think it's clicking with people. Yeah. And I just feel like. This is a good chance for them okay. to to get it out
0: there. I, I do understand on the like devil's advocate side of it, like you were saying, Brian, of like wanting to at least still because maybe the game isn't going to release until 2020. Like maybe yeah. they do want to still hold that message because if they did the beta and they're like no NDA, post whatever you want, we'll get PT, and then also someone's going to make Dick World, yeah. right? So like there's the which was like yeah.
1: a quarter of the levels in Little Big Planet, right? exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Little, um, little Big Dicks, like to that game's, you know. Focus, it was interesting because no matter what you looked at in Little Big Planet, it was unmistakably Little Big Planet. Yeah. It was very rare where you looked at that game and you're like, oh, that's Super Mario Brothers. That's PT. That's Metal Gear Solid. You're like, they made blank in Little Big Planet. And for this, like seeing that Dreams demo, if I was just scrolling through Twitter, I wouldn't necessarily know that that's just identifiably Dreams. And I think that's what makes this creation tool so cool
0: yeah i just had the scariest thought of like 2e3s from now say dreams is out and then a week before e3 someone's like the uncharted 5 trailer is on yeah. Twitter, yeah. and we're like oh no what and it's just in dreams it's just i like, mean we
3: we 3. joked uh, at e3 a couple years ago that it, like every third trailer in the conference was going to be a fake out and they were going to be like we made this in dreams yeah. that would be so funny <laughs> if they were just creepy.
1: like just kidding it's dreams again they're like yeah. god of war 2 <laughs> the sun is the man now and it's just like just kidding dreams and it's you're like wow battle, but i like <laughs> Yeah.
0: Uh, so where do you both think Dreams goes from here? Like, obviously, we will at some point see, I would assume, some of what's going on in this beta. I think there will probably be a more open beta at some point this year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But w- what do you think the future holds for Dreams in the next year, two years?
3: I I see it as, a, you know, we've said on the show for years that it would have been a really smart PSVR pack-in or it would have been a really smart, like, inclusion with something. Uh, that's assuming, you know, Media Molecule, years and years ago, talked about, putting a campaign and selling it as a full price game. I don't know if that's the plan anymore. Like, I I don't think that's the worst idea if they can design a really cool bespoke campaign that shows off what it can do. But man, I don't know. Like at this point, maybe a PS5 launch title isn't the worst way to launch this game.
1: Well, I'm trying to think about the last game that was like this, that sold well. And all I can come up with is Mario Maker. And I think Mario Maker had this very, very basic skeletal frame of what a Mario game would be. Uh, and then they release it to the wild and the, the game took a life of its own in user-generated content. Nobody thinks of that game as like, oh, that's got a Mario campaign in it. Yeah, yeah. totally. With no overworld where you move down a dotted line and there's a flagpole at the end and you just keep redoing that like you're in hell. Um, <coughs> that was a different story because you would every time you looked at the internet for like a year, people were like, look at this insane level I made. Look at this Rube Goldberg machine I made. Like this auto-playing level. Um, I don't know if Dreams necessarily needs a core here's what this is, because I don't even know what that would look like. Because yeah. if you can make a first person shooter, or you can make a side scrolling game, um, I think at the very least, you could have sort of 10 examples that when you boot it up, here's what they are, and they could be score based or whatever you want. And those
3: I yeah. think will definitely be. Yeah. There'll be. I, I, it's it's fascinating to think about, right? Because like you're totally right that it's not like I remember the Little Big Planet campaign as fondly as I remember playing other people's levels. Mm-hmm. And then obviously they have the legacy of games like Project Spark or any of these things that came out and just that were like potentially really great creation tools and then obviously there's minecraft which and, and now fortnite has the block and there are all yeah. of these much more successful things that let people have a creative outlet which is probably a scary thing when you're making a game like this but i don't know i i, I think they're smart and i think they can they can solve this problem somehow yeah. i just i i worry about that game and that studio frankly yeah because they're trying something different and they're so creative like yeah. i feel like media molecule is just this Crown jewel for Sony. They're so clever and so funny and so smart. And I just like, I want this game to do all, well, you know. Yeah, there, there's
0: such clear creativity in all of it. And yeah. I want that creativity to succeed. I think for success, It'll be difficult, but they very much need to market it to both the people who are really going to create and invest in the creation, and then the people who will want to play all those creations, right. who, like me, will probably never make a good level in it. Like, yeah. I think if we saw over, over the next year or two them teaming up with developers or doing other things, and be like, this developer made this level, or we had this musician make three songs in Dreams. Which and I love. That. I like. Yeah. I think potentially showing it off that way could... At least help with that future. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you
1: you sort of touched on the the third biggest problem there, which is curation. And from there, like if you even if you if this game sells 10 million copies, and everyone is out there making levels and mini games and all these other things, um, who's curating that content? And is somebody internally at Sony going to be like, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to put on the t- on the top of the dreams front page
3: today." PT. <laughs> like yeah. they're not, no, right? They're yeah. going to they're going to be like spooky tunnel demo. I <laughs> think like th- you saw really funny things in the little big planet kind of marketplace or whatever it was called like you yeah. saw um like the Final Fantasy 7 little remake. I remember really really fondly closest thing we're going to get to a <laughs> Final
0: Fantasy 7 remake potentially. Just wait for 2037. Uh, yeah. yeah,
3: but I think like you kind of to your point about Dick World or whatever name you gave it. Uh, Utopia. I, they obviously have to put in filters of some kind. Like there's obviously like curation is going to be the hardest part with this. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just I, I'm this is such a question mark in Sony's yeah. lineup and it has been for basically this whole generation. And it's like I think it is really cool seeing it in people's hands. But well, God, who knows? I've, I've always said that when you make a game with user generated
1: content, the first two things that people make are World 1-1 from Super Mario and a penis. Yeah. And we've seen one of those things already. So we'll see. So the dick is coming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, whatever comes in dreams future, we'll find out. But something we do know about coming a little sooner is Days Gone, coming out this April. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian, you went down to PAX South over the weekend. Yeah. You got to see a little bit with it, talk with some of the devs.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, Uh, It was really cool. So this was my first PAX South, which is in San Antonio, Texas. It is a smaller, more intimate version of the show you might see on the west coast or the east coast in boston and you know seattle um and i haven't been to the australia one uh, but i hear that one's cool too um
3: like both of these pax australia and pax south at least when i went were pax jr kind of like they were they were much more smaller games smaller show floor But the flip side of that is that everybody there was so happy to be there.
1: Yeah, I think there's, like, a you totally nailed it. There's this, like, really great feeling where they're, like, we are not on the coast. We don't get tons of games conventions. um, But we're all really happy that this is here. And so the... The crowd was great. The audience was great. Um, I met a ton of IGN fans who love Beyond and all the other cool stuff we do here. So thank you for coming up and saying hello. Uh, I was there specifically for IGN Access, which is essentially like a side brand of IGN uh, where sponsorship content comes into play, and we do cool stuff. Like last year, I was, you know, uh, we had a like a Old Spice sponsorship, and I was on a hovercraft, like, you know. Th- playing a video game. Dumb things happen. Sure. Um, and so, with this, we actually partnered with Sony to go down and shoot some videos at the Days Gone booth because they had built a booth from the ground up using, I believe, a bunch of the parts that they've used for other Days Gone activations and booths in the past at E3 and, and such. From
0: real freakers. And real
1: dead bodies, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, I gotta look at those jeans, by the way. They're very funny. Um, I, <laughs> one of them, we were for sure, like, he was wearing Jenkos. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think a, like a 90s juggalo was killed. That makes sense. Um, and so, I was basically tasked with going down there and uh, talking to fans as they were as they were playing the demo. And so it is; it was technically sponsored content, um, but it was not my job to go like, "It's great," and they pay me because they <laughs> yep. don't. They just pay IGN. I don't even see that money. I mean, we all get paychecks. But so I uh, you do? They don't, they haven't what? been paying what? you. Dude, please don't tell Jonathan about this. <laughs> oh, dude, what? yeah, every two
0: huh? weeks. Two yep. weeks? Yeah. Each like every two weeks.
1: Yep. Do you know about um? The health insurance.
0: Anyway, back to days gone. So yeah. you were saying, so, uh, so aside from being there for sponsorship stuff, you did see the game.
1: Yeah. So I got to see yeah. the game. I got to play the game. I got to talk to Eric Jensen, who is the uh, lead open world designer of the game. Um, who uh, this is created by Sony Bend, who is in uh, they're in Bend, Oregon, and they had wrapped. Uncharted Golden Abyss, which to this day, I still think is one of the most ambitious handheld games ever made and a complete technical marvel that I will never understand how they were able to fully <laughs> pull off on, on the Vita. Um, and so they wrapped that game, God, like six years ago, and they went into the planning phases for, for, for Days Gone. Um, I believe a day before Pack South started, Days Gone got a release date. It got a collector's edition announcement. It got a trailer it
3: became real
1: <laughs> for the first time ever. We've been talking about this game for a long time.
3: <clears throat> yeah, I think we had because it was originally February and then I think they delayed it late last year. Yeah. So we had we knew April, we knew the date. But yeah, all of that extra stuff I think was new for this. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so Daisagon's had an interesting path because it was revealed
1: at on E3 many years ago twice in one conference. Uh it sort of bookended the the end of the conference when everyone's expecting oh one more thing they showed us more days gone and days gone if you're uninitiated is an open world game where a sort of like a, a motorcycle badass guy has to fight hordes of zombies which they call freakers and the hordes act you s- sort of move like they do in World War Z so they're not slow they are not one on one like you would fight in Resident Evil or The Walking Dead they are this mob And so I think what I learned from playing the game and checking it out and talking to people who are playing it is that all of that is actually a lot smarter than it has any right to be. The AI in the mob is actually really, really interesting in that it doesn't – I thought it would just sort of attack you like a snake. Like, just imagine 100 things form one mass. Um, The mob breaks up, and that's where things get really interesting. So we did a scenario where essentially 300 freakers were in this pit. And they all do different things. And I did a full dev commentary uh, with Eric where we kind of talked about, like, the different places you can find them. And sometimes they'll be feeding, and they feed on body bags that are left in pits in the open world. Sometimes they're sleeping, which is just terrifying, because you walk by and there's just, like, these 300 freakers are just napping on the ground, and you have to (laughs) tiptoe around them. So there are, you know, lots of stealth elements. Uh, And sometimes they're all just hanging out, and you have to decide, I need to rescue something from in here, or I need to get around this area. And what's the best way to interact with them? So essentially you look at the environment around you and you start to set traps and there's a lot of destructible things. There's gas cans, there's proximity mines, there's, you know, old trucks parked that, you know, you could blow up with a, with a shotgun or something <laughs> like that. And so your job is to, because these things can outclimb you, they can outrun you, they will, they will find you no matter what. Um, they scale everything. They're like spiders. Uh, your job is to Basically take this horde of 300 things and chip away at it and soften it until it's just a few and you can actually start using hand-to-hand combat. Or Because if you run into one of these things with your motorcycle or just like a a crowbar, it's not going to work. And so playing it, I was really surprised at the way that unfolds because... You will. it's sort of like 300 where you want to funnel them all into this like sort of tunnel or canyon um, that's riddled with explosives, blow them up, chip away at them, and knock down their numbers. And then from there, you can start picking them off one by one. And the thing is that kept catching me off guard is that when you look to your left, there's like one or two. And you look to your right, and there's like three or four more, and they're climbing up something. They are not just like tunnel vision running at you. Mm-hmm. And that's where this game gets really cool because it begins to just sort of overwhelm you. I think this has had a really interesting track record so far because it's not reinventing the wheel like out of war. And it's not maximizing the potential of the franchise like Spider-Man. And it's not this, you know, breathtaking, emotional, wrought story like The Last of Us. Um, but it's going to be really cool. And I think because it's like it's not like re- people have not really equated it to those to those levels of Sony exclusives. Um it's getting ignored a little bit and it still has a lot to prove. And you know, we we won't know really until April how the full thing comes together. But I think from what's here right now, people should start paying attention to it because it's there's there's some really interesting stuff
3: going on. So it's really like what you just described is pretty much uh I did the first uh hands-off preview in 2016 right after they revealed it at that conference and like at that point, that was my whole angle of my thing was pretty much exactly that. It's like the environment is your friend, like they're coming after you in this wave. And at the time, like that was their big thing was like kind of the, the horde tech of the, of the zombies or of the freakers as they're coming at you. And, and the reason, like as much as we kind of poke fun at the freakers versus zombies thing, they kept saying like these aren't zombies because they sleep and because they sort of have like some kind of humanity left in them uh, on some level. Uh, that I thought was a really intriguing premise What's weird to me is that it's been two and a half years, and what I like that part of it and that kind of strategy and avoiding the horde makes sense to me, and I think does seem like they're doing some cool stuff. What I still haven't seen, or they've kind of shown some footage of it, but like I still don't have the best idea of like what you're doing. Like I I don't really understand a lot of like uh, Deacon's motivations. We've seen some story stuff and not a ton of it. And we especially haven't seen that much of the open world itself Mm -hmm. because they've talked a lot about, like, weather and how it'll affect uh, you. You're driving your motorcycle and you have to fix your bike and you can get parts for it. And it's, like, very much a game about the bike as much as anything. And, like, that's all the stuff that I, like, I still don't have my head wrapped around for a game that's out in eight weeks
1: so yeah. i got to i got to try a little bit of that stuff because the there were actually two the demos were split in half at pax and one was based on horde and one was based on story and the story stuff was basically deacon shows up at this place uh where like a friend of his is being mobbed and he has to rescue him and there's a gang who are not good guys and they're not freakers but there are a gang of people that worship freakers and Will basically you throw you to them and burn you and maim you. Um, it gets into like very deep, like gross, like walking dead territory where you're like, why do these people exist? How bad is this world? <clears throat> and Deacon was basically tasked uh, in sneaking or getting into this gas station that was, like, locked down. And so I got to play with traversal and, like, some mild puzzle stuff and then getting into this building and basically getting apart like an engine, and then getting back out to rescue my friend. Um, and that felt a lot more intimate. And then on the roof of this building were these weird, like, child freakers, and they're basically, like, zombie children, hmm. um, and they don't really attack in big numbers. They attack individually, and they jump high, and they're terrifying and gross and awful. And so that entire scenario felt a lot more intimate like in terms of like it's not just me fighting 300 idiots it's like Oh there's there's little there's little problems here and there and then there's these there's actual humans that you're fighting as well that are that are disgusting how all of that pans into a massive open world how all of that connects with your bike and how the rager bears fold in we still don't know you guys yeah. are completely correct um, I feel like we know more but we still don't know enough um, but I'm I know enough now to have my interest Pete. You know? yeah. sure. I, I
0: did want to ask uh, is, you've spoken a little bit about now like the general horde attacking you and then also these more intimate attacks when you're faced with that giant crowd of Freakers who can come at you from all sides and don't just have tunnel vision towards you do the then smaller encounters whether it's with child Freakers or with humans or just a couple of Freakers do those maintain like attention to them or does it feel like you're just picking off guys no problem?
1: Um, I, I'd say a little bit of both. I mm-hmm. think that like it's you should never feel comfortable Seeing a child freaker, sure, whatever that is. If you do, just something's sounds, gone wrong. Yeah, yeah, that just sounds horrible, no matter what. Um, and in terms of the the combat with the like weird human cult, um, it felt really gross and visceral. Um, and I would basically walk up I, I died three times in the same scenario, and part of that was because I was trying to figure out the controls and trying to you know cycle between like my spiked bat, which is like something Negan has or my shotguns, and every single time they overpowered me and that 's just like three human characters and by the third time I had shot I shot a few of them and then beat the last one to death with my bat, and the animations on all of that were really really visceral like just watching him just sort of like take the butt under the bat and smash it into the dude's face and so those moments felt scary and tense. also because i didn't want to make too much noise and then alert like this larger group so even when you're dealing with like these small encounters there's that fear that there's like 20 or 30 or 300 waiting for you right above a ridge that could turn that turn against you at any moment so yeah again we don't really know how all this is going to come together i noticed that in the special edition there's like uh, if you bought like the full version of the game, it, it's got like you know these upgradable upgraded gas tanks and yeah, like, like handlebars. A crossbow and, and, yeah, so yeah. There's, there's gonna be a lot of stuff like that. I guess there'll be sort of like you know weapon upgrades and vehicle upgrades and um, yeah, I really want to see how that world comes together because um, we haven't yeah. we haven't seen enough. I'm sad
3: there wasn't a PSX because of that because like game. we we send a pretty small crew to pack south um, and I'm excited to try it out. I really am. Like I trust. Ben's pedigree. I, I obviously trust the output of of Worldwide Studios. Like I, I think Sony is backing this game pretty hard. So like we'll see. I just it's it's of like the recent first party exclusives, I just feel like it's the one I've wrapped my head around the least. Mm-hmm. I mean, not counting dreams. It, <laughs> it's
0: it's weird going into it in the sense of like going into God of War, going into Spider-Man. I could see generally what the 20 to 30 hours were going to look right. like with this i can see what maybe a half hour will look like yeah. or two hours but i don't necessarily know what the 30 hour story will look
3: mm-hmm. like, yeah and it's I like to say. early on we kind of looked at it as like this weird almost like a potpourri of a lot of the other sony exclusives like uh because looking now it's like you have like sort of some of the open stuff from horizon and like obviously like a lot of people are looking at the last of us and, and kind of similar like zombie fiction things and like if it's just a bunch of pieces of other things that worked and they're combined that could work really really well yeah sure Um, i think if it's got like a little bit of
1: world war z and a little bit of far cry and some last of us and and that's where like all the
3: like if you're like crafting and upgrading your bike and stuff like that could be really i I don't know i'm just so like i really am excited to just get my hands on it and play it Mm same and it's weird that like man some of these games like i feel like uh considering their reveal timing uh spider-man and god of war feel like they were quick turnarounds, even though it felt like a long wait at the time. Like, talking about Dreams, talking about Days Gone, it just feels like that's been such a longer cycle.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see that cycle come to a close, because especially like you were saying, we've seen these disparate parts. I want to know how they interact.
3: Yep. And especially because, Ben, like you said, it's been, what, six
0: years since, uh, since they put the out a big yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll see. It'll be really interesting to see, and thankfully we don't have to wait that much longer yeah. to actually play it. Uh, want to, as I promised before, hit you all with a trophy test. Let's do it. This trophy test is brought to you by, and by brought to you, it's not sponsored, Uh, Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. This is based on the first Sly Cooper game.
1: You don't think they have some old ad budget kicking around?
0: I hope so. (laughs) Because I want another Sly Cooper. What's the name? Sly Sly Cooper? And the Thievius Raccoonus. I just want to hear you say it. Anytime. Uh, So as per usual, if you haven't seen Trophy Test, though, I will let you know. I will give both of these wonderful boys next to me two trophies, one real and one fake. They will have to tell me which is the real of those trophies.
1: Did You, you platinum this game, right? I didn't play the collection. I don't think so. There, there, was a, there was a chance right there that yeah. he did, and he would just sweep the floor with me right now. Uh,
0: because last week ended in a tie, and I hadn't worked out the point system yet. Oh. So I have worked out a point system and wanted to update both you and the audience on what that point system will be. Okay. Max and Lucy will never find out. Okay. Uh, so the That's point fair. system works in that the winner will receive three points. Okay per round. Uh so if there are two winners they will just receive 3 points. This is a cumulative store score, excuse me, from throughout the year. We'll go for. Uh the second place winner will get 2 points and if there are three people on the pla- panel, the last place person will get 1 point, a participation trophy. I like that. Thank you. Gone. Thank Anytime. you. Anytime. And then who will win the platinum at the end of the year we'll find out. Anyway, I'm going to Are gonna... you're keeping
1: track from episode, episode? Yeah,
0: oh yeah. Yeah. But if anyone else wants to do that out there, please feel free because I'll probably forget a week. Anyway, going into the trophies. First one, here we go. Please tell me which of these is the real trophy. Is it either cats out of the bag, which is to defeat Lady Sapphire, or giving the dog a bone, which is to defeat Mugshot?
1: Isn't Wh- he so good at this?
0: Which yeah, of those? It's, it's
3: like the most <laughs> ridiculous skill to have. Is
0: the real trophy? Cats out of the bag or giving the dog a bone?
1: Cats out of the bag is real.
0: You say real. I'm going to just mark these down. Yeah, I agree with that. You both say cats out of the bag. Giving the dog a bone is the real one. Oh. My apologies. Why would I agree with you?
3: It's not a good name <laughs> Why would I do this?
0: Okay. Uh, next, please tell me which of these is real. <sighs> clash of the Clockwork. Track down Clockwork. Or Clockwork's a-tickin'. Defeat Clockwork in under five minutes. I think it's clash the of. It, yeah. You both think it's a Clash of the Clockwork? Well, now yeah. I'm like afraid to agree with you again. Well, no, that
1: sounds real. The thing is, is what, here's, my, here's my trick. I try to get inside Dorney's head. And I go, what would he come up with? Like, what's just, like, weird and corny enough that would be his? And I think clockwork's a tickin'.
3: <laughs> a is, a is tickin' one. is
1: very much a Jonathan thing. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, That's I say a it? tickin' all the time. All <laughs> the time. He goes, time's a
0: tickin'.
1: Uh, the first one's real, the second first one's one. fake.
0: You're both Correct. Clash of the Clockwork is the real trophy. Look,
1: now we're on the board. All right, tied, but we we don't want to tie. It's competitive.
0: Okay, well we can
1: we can deviate now. (sighs) I got you there, though. Yeah, (laughs) I believe in you, Andrew.
0: Nimble like a thief, which is find all the dive moves, or sly like a fox, find all the stealth moves.
3: Okay, it's gotta be the first one. They're not gonna call a raccoon a fox.
0: It's really smart. There are other animals in the game.
3: If we just keep
1: agreeing, this is not gonna be a fun competition. Yeah. (laughs) That said, but you can agree with me. Nimble
0: like a thief or sly like a fox.
1: Nimble like a thief.
0: You're both saying nimble like a thief is real. You're correct. That's the real one.
3: (laughs) Yeah, there's I'm sure there's some kind of style guide that's like never refer to sly as anything other than a raccoon. Okay. (laughs) What do we get? What do we get if we tied? Do we get a a well, you'd be ahead of me because you have points on the board from like the previous. Okay.
0: I'll I'll do a recap probably at the end of every month of where the points
1: stand. If you want to like split a milkshake or something.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, out of our platinum trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh,
0: Moving on, which of these is the real trophy? I hate both of these. (laughs) Beignet Billy, which is complete the Voodoo Swamp, or Bayou Lily, enter the Voodoo Swamp. So Beignet Uh, Billy or Bayou Lily. See,
3: this is one where I, regardless of the title, I don't think they would give you the trophy for entering. So I'm going to say the first one that's for beating the Voodoo Swamp.
1: Yeah, I agree. And also, do you hear him talk about Beignets ever? I've never heard it.
0: Uh, can I just say the film Chef is one of my favorite films of the last few years, and they ate some real good- It's a great movie. That's right, I like that food. Yeah. Uh, so you're both saying it's Beignet Billy? Yeah. You're yeah. both wrong. It's Bayou Lily. What the- what you, you just you have to enter the swamp. You put me down the
3: bad path. I know. I apologize. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, the score it's,
1: is- You get a trophy. Oh, hey, I just, you get trophies for Look, I'll
3: smart. buy you some Beignets <laughs> with your milkshake. <laughs> hey, we're still tied. Yeah. Still you're, both,
0: you're both tied two to two. Uh, <laughs> there are three more trophies left. We split cookies earlier. I bought
1: dro- you a cookie, <laughs> and, and I got my own. We did split cookies. We each got one.
3: <laughs> I also split, split cookies makes it sound like we shared a cookie. I also split this weird green tea cake that was in the kitchen, and that wasn't very good. You didn't yeah. split that with me. I watched you eat I that. I split it with the room. Andrew,
0: I made it. that cake. Moving on. Is waterlogged the real trophy? Waterlogged is to learn Suzanne Cooper's water safety technique. Or is firestarter the real trophy? Firestarter fire excuse me, is learn Benjamin Cooper's firewalk technique. Which of those is the real trophy? Waterlogged or firestarter? Waterlogged firestarter. Final answers? Yeah. yeah. Correct answer. Waterlogged. Hey. Andrew, no. you got a point.
3: I get my own milkshake. My straw leave. just disappeared. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on, two trophies left. Is family reunion the real trophy? Family reunion is collect the mementos. Or is it meeting the ancestors, which is to find all the blueprints? I
3: wish I could remember this game better. Uh, so, family meeting the ancestors. What about you? Family reunion.
0: The correct answer is meeting the ancestors. Ayy. Andrew, you got another point. Uh, that would like make you the soccer. winner. But we'll do the last one just for fun. Not
1: only do I lose straw, I'm also I'm not even allowed into the milkshake restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> so I have you, to go
3: drink one alone. <laughs> you have
1: to drink one alone, and I'm sitting outside the window watching you. And my hands are against me when it's I'm It's also crying. raining. It's and raining. And you don't have an umbrella. Yeah. And you don't care. I'll bring
3: you a to-go cup. You can have some. Like, I don't want a to-go <laughs> cup of your leftover <laughs> milkshake.
0: This <laughs> is there, like your you know, bo- the bottom of your no, milkshake. No, no, no,
3: no, They bring you like the extra cup. Some like they fill it and then. No, guys, so like, don't? You, yeah, they don't. Yeah, they do. Pouring they bring the Who gives cup you a you?
0: side cup with a milkshake? Need, if
3: you go to a, like a diner and order a milkshake, they'll usually bring you the glass and then they give you like a little silver. No, cup with, they like, don't. A, this yeah, isn't they they do. Do.
0: like Five Guys where they give you the bag with the cup of fries. All right. You ever heard that song? Come on. You ever heard that song?
1: My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and also my extra smaller milk. Shake, that i give shake. to dudes uh, outside in the rain
0: the deleted verse of actually <laughs> <laughs> keyless was a master <laughs> of the word moving on final question is four leaf clover the real trophy that's learn connor o cooper's explosive flower technique or what is or keyless isn't it keyless
1: <laughs> it's it's calise is it calise yeah keyless is like when you get into a car without a key anthony keyless Keyless Entry. <laughs> the Keyless? Yes. Yeah.
3: Wait, what was the trophy? <laughs> I never miss a red right so we, <laughs> <laughs> we do double or nothing on this one?
0: Four Leaf Clover. Learn Connor O'Cooper. Actually, I kind of like that. Maybe I will. Four Leaf Clover. Learn Connor O'Coopers' explosive flower technique. Or Top of the Morning. Learn Rob McCoopers' explosive hat technique.
1: The second one sounds like a dorm bush.
0: Again. Either, yeah. Four Leaf Clover. Learn Connor O'Coopers' explosive flower technique. Or Top of the Morning. Learned Rob McCooper's explosive hat technique.
3: Those are both. Those are both characters. Maybe. Well, one. I'm gonna go with the. Are they, are they Irish now? I'm gonna go with Cooper. the o Cooper. What do you think is the first? You're
0: one? going with four leaf clover, and which one are you going with? The other one. You're going with top of the morning. Yeah, I'm is the go, real one.
1: Well, because I, I, I can't lose more. Yes, I can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the correct answer is top of the morning. Sorry, Andrew, you got that one wrong. Clover? I won. No, I won.
1: I still lost. I lost by one point though.
0: Four to three, Andrew, you won. Hey. You
1: know what that means? I get to stick my head in the restaurant while <laughs> oh,
0: I was like, what? Uh, I mean, I, my
1: whole body is in the rain, but my head's in there. And I'm just like, and I'm watching you drink the milkshake.
3: I feel so bad for every other patron at this restaurant. You think so? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. try and drink their milkshake and we're these weird men <laughs> fighting over like, I think <laughs> they have
0: a great story to tell their I'm just drinking on the top of the morning for like across the room. <laughs>
1: my whole body is soaking wet except for my head.
0: For reference. Got that to go. <laughs> I made that sentence. I so know. I, I was just my trying to move
3: I'm so, so Except for my head. Uh, <laughs> I think never need you to say it in seven years. I didn't mean it. Like, okay. I know you didn't. I, anyway, thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Beyond. I'm Jonathan Dornbusch.
0: Do you want to do the outro? <laughs> <And> <laughs> go yes, ahead. I always
3: <laughs> say. Top of the morning. Top mornings, of the yeah. morning to you. No, please.
0: Anyway, that has been another round of Trophy Test. Congratulations, Andrew. For reference, the Cooper family spanned many generations and many (laughs) nationalities. Uh, There's like uh, Cooper Common or something Mm -hmm. for like the touch common. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway.
1: I look forward to hearing about their fake trophies soon.
0: Oh, we'll do two and three soon enough, don't you worry. Anyway, thank you so much for playing along (laughs) and for listening or watching this episode of Beyond Episode 575. Remember, new episodes are live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com and then new episodes will be live on podcast services and YouTube the Thursday after that. Uh, God,
3: 575 is crazy.
0: 575, we're almost there to 600. Is that real? (laughs) Yes, that's real.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's been a big revelation for you at the it's end of the day. It's just a show. high number, man. Uh, Andrew, when you're not thinking about numbers, where can people find you online?
3: Uh, I'm Garfep on Twitter. and uh, Gee, I
0: Andrew really freaking enjoys pumpkins. That's it. It's not uh,
3: I also uh, host a weekly Sly Cooper Trivia Night mm-hmm. that you can come to. See, he's, <laughs> he cooked the books. He's a cheater. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, Brian, where can people find I'm you? I'm uh,
3: Agent
1: Bizzle on Twitter, and you can find me with most of my body in the rain and my head inside the Haagen-Dazs watching Goldfarb <laughs> drink and milkshakes.
0: And as always... I'm at J.M. Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Beyond. 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 Bignet. Bignet. Bayou. Bayou, Lily. Yeah. <laughs>